Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful emotional and physical intimacy and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Hello. There was a study I came across. Uh, now I'm having a brain freeze, but it, I can find it if, if, if we want to, if anybody really wants to know, I'll look it up while we're talking. But it was just a lot of numbers about how men really want to hear verbal affirmation to have their partner initiate physical touch, the kinds of things that women with low desire sort of complain that their partner does, right? Especially, you know, if you're talking about your average heterosexual relationship, certainly the average, obviously there are men who struggle with low desire. And if anyone has a question about that, we can certainly talk about that. But on average, you know, there's sort of this stereotype, which doesn't really, you know, that is sort of reflective of what the norm is, that more men than women have high desire. Men naturally have more testosterone, the hormone of desire than we do. They're socialized to be more sexually, physically focused that way. They're, you know, it's in their evolutionary history to be procreating, you know, spreading their seed as far and wide. So on average, a guy you know, typically does have more desire than a female partner if they're in a relationship. And since 30% of women, you know, struggle at least who report it, struggle with sexual function, complaints specifically, low desire, not being interested. You know, I would say that's the most common thing I hear about, the most common complaint, the most common issue that comes up sexually in relationships that one partner wants it significantly more than the other. And it is most typically the guy in a heterosexual relationship that wants it more than the woman. So we just sort of all assume that and the woman has the headache and whatever. And that's, you know, that's, a, we can talk about that too, what goes into women's desire. But what I really wanted to focus on in this blog and, and it, you know, and what we're talking about here is this idea of even separate from the physical act of sex, which definitely plays a role in our health and our wellness and our connection and the language of love that we speak to each other and what separates us from roommates It's also just separate from sex, just feeling like your partner wants you and you're desirable. And I think everyone wants to feel that way. But we do see with women who have really low desire, they're almost like, no, don't give me that attention because either I feel pressure or I feel guilty or I feel like, you know, you're not understanding. So they don't even want that feedback from their partner. But we all forget that guys really want that. They want, you know, it's not just that they want sex. They want to feel like they're in a relationship with someone who thinks they're attractive and desirable and wants them. And it is true that most of the time guys in a really in a heterosexual relationship will do the bulk of the initiating. And I think part of it, at least from all the women that I talk to who 
maybe even have a healthy desire. It's just still, even though they know intellectually that, of course, a woman can initiate sex and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's encouraged. There's still this hesitation or awkwardness or inhibition around, you know, feeling like they're in too much of like a pursuer role or it's too self-conscious or it's too awkward or they're embarrassed. So they don't do it. And then it all falls on their partner. I think that speaks so highly of men. One of the things that has happened, and it's natural on the, on, you know, the tail of the shrapnel, some of the shrapnel from the Me Too movement, which I wholly embrace and support and am part of and, you know, cheer on, is that an unfortunate accidental side effect that sometimes happens and that I've seen happening more and more is male bashing. And all men are not rapists, misogynists, you know, all of that. But I think women, you know, people, women like to think that sometimes like, okay, it's true. But then there's also the suspicion that, you know, at their core, men really just care about sex and that's it. And they don't really care about the other stuff. And what I love Like, I don't think we would have seen that in the 50s and 40s. If a group of men were surveyed, we would not see that 90 plus percent of them, you know, in order to really enjoy sex, want to feel like their partner is into it. Like the fact that they want that and that it's not satisfying if he's cajoling her or forcing her or saying, asking her until she says yes, or whatever the things used to be, you know, where women laid back and thought of England, which is what most mothers advised their daughters back then. I don't know that they, it would have occurred to them to care, much less would they have cared? Oh, she's just not really, you know, she's not that into it because they just assumed that was normal. And what I love is that today's men really want a partner who's into it. And they want to be wanted and it's not fun for them to coerce. And I think that's how most healthy men are, unless they're role playing or something. I mean, that's a different story. <laughs> you pose this question in your, in your blog, which is how can women make their male partner feel more desired? Yeah, there's so many ways. You know, I think what happens, especially if she's not really wanting sex and you know, feeling really horny or feeling really in the mood, which let's face it, for most women, once they've been in a relationship for a while and are multitasking and goodness forbid, have kids and jobs and whatever else, it doesn't occur to them. But it's partially thinking about what we would want with a little twist, what women would want. You know, we want to feel beautiful, right? He wants to feel attractive, handsome. He wants to have you, there's this, you know, image of the guy walking by the woman and kissing the back of her neck or giving her a hug or whatever, you know, when they're in the kitchen, right? But you never hear about her coming up and really giving, not that women don't do this, but that's not really part of the vernacular of the images. And I think guys really love that when a woman just takes the initiative to give physical affection or to give sexualized physical affection, you know, grabbing his package or squeezing his butt or making some comment that's um, loving and playful, but also letting him know that you're noticing and seeing him that way. And I think most women don't do that naturally, at least most of the time. Let's talk about initiative. Why does that matter when you think about how things play out in the bedroom? It's, it's the same thing, right? It's about what, feeling desired. And, 
It's also, we forget as women, it's a lot to, you know, all of this, even just being a mother of three boys, as I've been watching them navigate, telling a girl that they like her or making the first move. Like there's, there's so much, it's so hard. All of us are afraid of rejection, right? And then when it comes to long-term relationships, especially, you know, if, you know, you're not going to be waved in, you know, and a lot of the time she, you get a no or a later, or I'm too tired or whatever. It's even scarier to ask because, you know, especially certainly with our hearts, but especially with our sexuality it's very vulnerable for people. And when you ask for it or try to make some move or try to initiate and then you're off, and then you're rejected. It's on a certain level, even if you intellectually understand it, it's humiliating and devastating. And for the most part, men have to do all of that. I know there are exceptions, and I know things are evening out slightly, but it's still largely on the shoulders of men to make not only the first move, but most moves <laughs> throughout the relationship. Let's talk about words and maybe give some examples of words that would help make a man and, and give that man the feeling that they're desired. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about physical sexual desire, you know, there's two things. It, it's interesting because I have always said, and this is just from my anecdotal clinical experience of talking to as many thousands of men in different contexts, of, you know, and about the intricacies and intimacies of their what they want. I love that this study sort of backs this up, but I've always said that it's so fascinating to me that men, if you're talking, really any man, it doesn't even have to be heterosexual men, but the majority of men just want two things and that to be re thrilled in a relationship. And that is to feel wanted, desired, like they're with a partner who's into them, attracted to them, wants to have sex with them, does have sex with them on a regular basis, right? All of that wants to be wanted and desired and wants to feel like he's doing a really good job. And with both of those, it all comes in terms of the daily living of those two basic needs it all comes down to a lot of appreciation. So if we're talking about the sexual wanting, wanting physically and sexually and desired that way, it's about verbally, not just thinking his ass looks good in those jeans, but verbally saying it, you know, even better, giving it a little squeeze and, you know, whispering it in his ear, but like complimenting his physical body, but also his, how attracted you are to it you know, and how it makes you feel and how it affects you. And I don't think, I think a lot of women who are happy in, in their relationships and still have a healthy libido and do find their partners attractive, think that a great deal, but they rarely say it out loud or make any gesture. And I think that's where a really cool shift is available to us, most of us. Overall enthusiasm and excitement for sex, why is that so important when we think about this overall desire that we want men, that men should feel from, from their partner? Well, I think we all want to feel it. You know, it, sex is as much of a receiving as a giving, right? For all of us, hopefully. <laughs> and, you know, if you think about a man in a relationship, especially with someone he cares about, 
You know, he, the last thing he wants to feel is if this very intimate, very vulnerable, very unique and special thing that if he's in a monogamous relationship, he only gets to do with her is something she's dreading or putting up with or, you know, doing because she has to, you know, and some guys do get that hungry. Like, you know, she's his only sexual outlet and he hasn't gotten it for a really long time. Like a lot of guys will just say, okay, I worked with a couple. I'm just thinking about them now. A a long time, it was a while back. I think they may have even been part of my uh, show on OWN in the bedroom with Dr. Laura Berman. But I remember being so struck because they had evolved to the point, this poor guy was so hungry at sex, just starving and, you know, was monogamous with this woman who was completely shutting him down. And so she would just say, she would go to sleep and say, go ahead, you know, do what you're going to do. You have my permission. Just don't leave me in the wet spot. Like to me, that's the epitome of the opposite of what we're talking about that men really need and want and deserve. Right. Can you imagine? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. No, it's, yeah, a hundred percent agree with you. And it's, 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 uh, it's a great story, but I'm sure not unique to that specific couple. No, and it's not unique. I mean, that's an extreme, but it's not unique to a lot of people where they're sort of like, okay, there's this energy of no, no, no. And then he gets frustrated. She's like, okay, fine. And she's kind of into it, but she's not really present and not really into it. And it's obvious, you know, that's disappointing. So the, the idea, you know, part of feeling desired is having your partner anticipate being with you. I mean, there's nothing more seductive, especially, you know, if you imagine like a partner that's got busy lives or even when you were first dating and you were, you know, you couldn't wait to be together and you would often make comments, you know, I can't wait to have you alone later. Like we stopped doing that in long-term relationships. And it doesn't mean it has to have the same frenzy as it did in the first months of your love, but you know, to let your partner know that you're looking forward, that you're thinking about them, to send them those sexy texts that like, I can't wait to get you alone later. I can't wait until all the kids go to sleep or really makes a difference. How does one then reignite the fire? Because to your point, I think all too often we are in relationships that lose the sizzle. And what what would be some very tactical tips that someone listening right now could implement into their own love life and, and avoid having the common pitfall of having a sleepy relationship from the sex standpoint? Well, I think it's in order, there's two goals, right? One is not to have, I should say, there's two kind of people that struggle with this, you know, with creating that kind of energy coming from toward a male partner, right? One is the group that has really low desire. And so the last thing they want to do is make him think she wants it because she's spending most of her time trying to avoid that because she doesn't want it. Right. That's, and we can address that. And the other is the group that just either because of inhibitions or because they've never thought about this before, or that's not the way they were raised, or they're not really sure how, you know, that's much easier to fix because that's really just about a decision and experimenting with it and read the blog and the post on social media, you'll see all sorts, you know, there's a lot of different suggestions on there beyond what I'm even talking about now, but it comes down to making a conscientious effort to, even if you just say to your, like make a commitment to yourself that you're going to give your partner five 
genuine expressions of, you know, sexual and or literal global appreciation a day, right? So the sexual appreciation would be physical and, you know, thinking about wanting to be with, you know, anticipating all of those things. And the emotional appreciation or the global appreciation would be about, you know, things they do for you or for the family or in the relationship or in life. But try that for two weeks to give your partner five genuine expressions of appreciation verbally every day. And so much will change for the better in your relationship. But, you know, there's lots of ways once you make the decision that you can start fueling this, the population that I see struggle with it most are women who struggle with low desire. You know, there's that subpopulation, not as many under the age of 35 anymore, who, you know, have a lot of inhibitions and stories that nice girls never talk about sex or have sex. But most women in a long-term relationship don't have like major inhibitions. It's more that they're not wanting it, either because there's some medical hormonal medication reason, or there is trauma history, or depression, or anxiety, or significant body image issues, or the relationship and the emotional connection between the two of you is so discordant and disconnected that it's hard to imagine wanting to be physically intimate with that person. Those are sort of the main categories I see of women with low desire. So what's the guy's role in all of this? If I'm thinking about this and being super blunt about it, there's a lot of women perhaps that aren't being proactive. They're not seeking out advice on how to make a man feel more desired. So is there something that the man could be doing to kind of plant that seed? Hey, I want to be- I love love how you're asking for a friend. Yeah, just asking for a friend. Yeah, I'm just asking for a friend. (laughs) And I also love how, what were we talking about last week or or last time we were on? Self-love? Yeah, we were talking about self-love last week and people like were asking, I mean, we, we, I think we went two and a half hours or something. There was, and we could have gone longer. There were so many people with questions talking about this you know, people are shy. So I love that you're asking all these questions because they're the same questions that every single person has. And if you're in a long-term relationship, you're going to go through those ebbs and flows. But when your partner has consistently shown, you know, no interest, lack of thoughts, fantasies, motivation to be sexual, you know, the question is, there are those sort of three overlapping categories, emotional, relationship, medical, physical, right? Those are the three buckets that you want to kind of address at the same time. So, you know, if she's never been a high desire person, then that usually is something deeper, more in the emotional standpoint, trauma, depression, body image kind of stuff, fear of intimacy, fear of vulnerability, So if you're with a partner who's never really been that into it, and then as the relationship progressed, it's gotten even worse. In that group of people, you're definitely going to want to, and I'll tell you how to bring all this up in a second, but the, the treatment would be more from a sex therapy, trauma therapy kind of standpoint, what you'd be doing more, you know, and then if she was really into it and things were good and she has when she was maybe younger or before children or before she started an antidepressant or before menopause, you know, she was into it and now she's not, then very often there's a medical 
issue, either a hormonal issue at play, because a lot of women, especially over 38, their hormone, especially their testosterone levels lower enough where they may have low desire and just not enjoy it as much and not be interested in much and tired. You know, those are all symptoms of low testosterone. If she's on hormonal contraceptives or SSRIs, you know, Prozac, Zoloft, those can negatively affect desire. If she has pain or something's happening during sex and it's really uncomfortable, that could affect desire. If she's exhausted and has young children and is burning the candle at both ends, you know, that may be it too, right? And then there's sort of, and in those cases, you're wanting to work with a medical clinical person, right? doesn't mean there aren't also emotional issues going on or relationship issues going on, but it's really about That's why I sort of like to look at people as a picture puzzle, because there are always, even if it didn't, even if it started with a medical issue, let's say she started Prozac or Zoloft and she lost her desire and sexual response, and then she withdrew from sex and wasn't as available, that has an emotional and a relationship outgrowth to it, right? Because it affects the dynamics between her and her partner. Her partner feels rejected and then just unconsciously, emotionally withdraws from the relationship. Because especially if it's a guy, his usual way of feeling that emotional closeness is physical. That's one of the reasons it's so important to them. And so if he doesn't have that means to connect with you physically, it doesn't mean he's intentionally trying to punish you. It just means he's not as tuned in and as romantic and as connected, right? So now, because she doesn't feel close to him, she's that much less interested in having sex. So It's really about looking at all the factors all at once. And it starts with a conversation about helping her understand that this isn't just a physical, you could technically, you know, you could masturbate if it was just about a physical release. It's really about, you know, and especially if we're talking about your average guy, the way that they achieve that emotional closeness that the average woman gets through sharing, cuddling, quality time, connecting emotionally, he gets through the physical act of sex. And so helping her understand that, you know, this is more than just getting off, which a lot of women with low desire, you know, they just see it as this nuisance, this fly buzzing of their partner's sexual needs, like a fly buzzing in their ear, you know, but not understanding that it's a true soulful, emotional sex, body, soul need. And I also try to help women understand that if you are in a monogamous relationship and you, that's your agreement and that's what you want, it's really, I'm not saying it's okay for him to cheat on you if you have low desire, but it's also unfair for you to hold him sexually hostage. Like you're his only outlet and you're refusing. And just because you have low desire doesn't mean you can't source your desire from another place. Assuming you're not in pain or it's like you're in the middle of your trauma and getting triggered. I mean, for your average woman who just would rather be doing the laundry, right? Once you get started, most of those women say they enjoyed it. It was just like the hassle of getting started. So it it becomes a thing where once women understand how important it is and how her withholding sex from him would be the equivalent in his heart as him refusing to hold her hand or listen to her when she talked, you know, it's like that. It's, it's, so once they understand that, then they can start to source 
sexual energy from places other than horniness, which they no longer have for any number of reasons. At this point, you know, uh, approaching age 62 and young at heart and young in spirit and young physically, uh-huh. uh, I've found often that I'm distracted by other females. On the other hand, that doesn't d- diminish my attraction to my wife of 30 years. But I also have noticed that uh, I'd say more recently, I haven't been as sexually motivated, I'd say, really in the last year, you know, so let's call mm-hmm. it from, you know, 61 to 62. And my wife is nine years younger. So uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of men feel this. Uh, what do I do next? Do, do I need to take something I have uh, to help with, you know, to, to perform? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and But what else do I do to keep my mindset on my partner for all these years who I love, respect, and cherish? And But at the same time, I also you know, realize that the intimacy isn't what it once was, yeah. as deep as it was, right? Yeah. And yet I can easily be attracted without doing anything that would jeopardize my, my, my marriage to, you know, to a, a visual, an image mm-hmm. of flirtation. So I'm wondering, how would you advise me to approach this yeah. you know, going forward? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me just make sure I understand because there's a really interesting element to your story, if I'm understanding you correctly. And you're saying that, you know, previously... You had you felt a lot of sexual energy towards your wife, you know, and toward attractive women or whatever. And now, but you were very into your wife. And now it's not that you're not intellectually into her and physically, you know, objectively, but just you don't have the drive that you had before and the desire that you had before. But you are noticing that you still have desire to strangers or images or that sort of thing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so what I love about your question is that it depicts an action, something scientists, I I guess it was about 10 years now, maybe 15, uh, had discovered. I remember learning this from Helen Fisher, who's one of my heroes. She's an evolutionary anthropologist. You know, she studies evolutionary history and evolutionary psychology, but, you know, she looks at sex through that lens and Uh, One of the things that she told me, which I thought was so interesting, is that when people have women and men, when they have affairs, their testosterone peaks. Right. So you may have, you know, in in this context, she was talking about women who were in long term relationships, low desire, you know, just like I was talking about before. But then a flirtation and now their partner is checked out or flirtation starts at work or whatever. And all of a sudden she's wanting sex all the time with this other person. And of course there are cognitive or or neurologic reasons for that. When you have someone new, when you see a stranger who's a clean slate and you would be a clean slate to them, there's some novelty there. And that stimulates the dopamine production in the brain, which, you know, is a lot of what's going on with sexual attraction and sexual excitement and courtship and new love. The dopamine centers of the brain are firing like crazy. So when you see a stranger and imagine being with them, or in some cases, if you're cheating, I know you're not, you know, actually are with them, the dopamine centers of your brain are triggered. So it kind of makes sense 
that your testosterone would give a little spike and your dopamine might spike a little when you see something novel. That doesn't mean you want to act on it. That doesn't mean something's wrong with your wife. It's just that you're dealing with a smaller deck, so to speak, of testosterone cards because you're now in your, now, let me just preface this by saying I'm a PhD. I'm not an MD. I'm just speaking to you from my decades of experience helping to shepherd people, men and women, through the medical aspects of their sexual function issues. And I've worked with a lot of physicians that do this work, but I by no means am a physician. So let me just say that. But what I would guess is going on with you from what you're describing and your age is that your testosterone levels have declined. So it's usually men in their late 50s, early 60s who see the symptoms of lowering testosterone, which is low energy, not as much joy for life, difficulty sexually responding with erections, maintaining erections, lower sensation, and lower desire. The Um, desire is there. The erections are less. Yeah. The joy for life is there. I look great. I feel sexy. I, I remind myself every day. That's all there. Do you think that I, you know, and, and exercising more is there? Do you Good. think I need? Do you think I need to do something with a with a hormone? Do you think I? What do you well, think? Well, I mean, I, I, I know you're not like an I said, MD. I'm not the expert. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt yeah. to have it assessed. You know, the yes. one thing I can say for men and sexual medicine is that you know they're 20 years ahead still. And men, you know, ahead, men are ahead of women in terms of what sexual medicine has available, testing, evaluating, diagnosing, and treating. And so if you go to any urologist, U-R-O-L-O-G-I-S-T, yes. urologist who specializes in sexual medicine, there are a lot of them in every city, they would be able to assess your hormone levels. Just don't let them slap some, you know, say, don't worry about it. Here's some Viagra, Cialis, or whatever the pharmaceutical rep left them last. You know, don't don't just leave it at that because it's worth knowing where your testosterone is, even for your health and your prostate health and everything else. So it's worth getting tested, I believe. I'll do that. And there's so many treatment available of treatments available. Um, and since you were at that place and your relationship is still really good, and now there's kind of like a, a neurologic and maybe physical shift, uh, to me, that, that smells of hormones. Yes, I see. So urologist that specializes in? Sexual good. medicine. Good. Solid. Really great. I'm glad I joined. Thanks. Thanks for having me on All stage. right. Good luck. Thank you. What haven't we explored? Maybe it's physical components, but what else haven't we explored on this specific topic of what men really want in the bedroom beyond the desire? Because we know that exists. What else do they want in the bedroom? Um, You know, I think they want someone who's comfortable with their body, who's open to, you know, you don't have to be open to trying anything and everything and whatever they want, but who isn't completely shut down, who's willing to push the envelope a little bit, to push their comfort levels a little bit, you know, who's flexible, who's not judgmental. I think obviously most men really, you know, the biggest complaints I get from both from women are that nobody, you know, their partner stops making out with them, kissing them without it being part of foreplay. The biggest complaint I get from men, and this is assuming that the couple is still really regularly sexually active, not that there's a desire issue. The biggest complaint that I get from guys 
is that oral sex goes out the window. So those are the, the, the making out for women, not that they don't want and enjoy oral sex. Of course they do. But uh, the making out, you know, is the biggest complaint and the oral sex is the biggest complaint for guys. So by virtue of that, we can say that that's very important for their satisfaction too. Most men miss that in long-term relationships. They don't get as much of that. So then the natural question, and I'm just asking for a friend, is how (laughs) how can a man... Or, or even, you know, a woman create the desire on their end to want to do those things? Or how can a man mm-hmm. plant the seed or suggest that, hey, these are some things that I would actually love to have as part of our sexual relationship? You just say that. First of all, this is so great because now you can play your partner this pot, maybe Billy camp because he's the one asking all the questions, <laughs> but the rest of you, because he's asking for a friend and his partner will probably know it's not a friend. But the rest of you, you can play this for your partner and it'll kind of make all the points for you. But the main thing is to help your partner understand and also ask them, like, what are the kinds of things that you really love sexually that you would want more of, you know, that you really enjoy? And I think I always say relationships in general in terms of the maintenance of them, you have to give them as much attention as you would a business, right? So you, you have little quick meetings every day where you're talking about the logistics of your lives. You have maybe family meetings every week where you're talking about the layout of the week and the weeks to come. You know, you have every quarter, you should have sort of a general meeting about things that are working and what you want more of and what you're excited to try out, you know? And I think that the the sexual needs and wants are a fundamental part of your relationship's health and also shift and change over time, you know? So to really check in on how things are going in the emotional and physical connection department is really helpful. And then that gives you an opportunity to bring some of these things up. And, you know, I can tell you that if your partner has really low desire, she's probably not as into foreplay because she's just kind of not into it and she just is kind of going through the motions. And then that often means an absence of oral sex as well. And and often she doesn't even want you to do her. She just wants to get down to business. And men feel that and feel like, okay, you know, she's doing me a solid, but she's not that into it, which is exactly what we've been talking about. So the way you would resolve that is by everything we've talked about in terms of addressing low desire. But I think it starts with the conversation of what you really want and what turns you on and what you'd love more of. And, you know, hopefully them listening and honoring that and understanding the importance of that as we've been discussing and why it's important. What are some do's and don'ts that we should be aware of and mindful of Mm -hmm. as we think about how to best communicate and how to avoid communicating the wrong way? Right. Well, you definitely don't want to have these conversations about your sex life during a sexual exchange. So either during one of your relationship meetings or just in general, but not during sex. And you want to really focus on the positive. I remember my husband and I, and and this is, I started kind of quoting the AY American Youth Soccer Organization. My husband was a coach for 10 years 
And so he knew that coach training thing that was mandatory every year, backwards and forwards. But one of the things they would always say that I, that I, you know, that we said was the same for relationships and for sexual feedback is they would say to the coaches for every piece of constructive criticism you give a kid, make sure you give them five compliments first, (laughs) you know, like you passed the ball so well and you were so enthusiastic and you ran so fast, but next, you know, so it's sort of the same thing where you're like, I love our connection. It felt so good to be with you. I love being, you know, having that physical time with you. And, and I was thinking that what I would really love to try is this, or, you know, it really turns me on when you do that to me. And so you're framing it in the positive. You're not complaining. You're not criticizing. You're doing it in the positive. And I always say, and I have to check myself too, in all communication with my husband, you know, I have to sort of say to myself, turn your complaint into a request. Like that's my mantra to myself. So if there's something that's, you know, even if it's something about the house, right, that's, oh, the roof won't stop leaking, we have to call. I really try to be like, you know what, I'm realizing we really need to call the plumber. And would you be willing to call him tomorrow instead of, you know, instead of Saturday or whatever, you know, just turning it into a request. And it's the same thing for sex or for whatever it is that that you want to get across in your relationship. So there is an art to finessing, but I think it, it comes down to learning how to inspire people, right? Versus shame them or criticize them. And most of us weren't raised that way. So it's an art we have to learn. If there are topics that you want to learn more about, in the categories of love, relationships, challenges, ways to build what you, you know, what's already working, ways to approach love from a metaphysical level, tantric sex, whatever it is, dating, mating, ovulating, we can talk about any or all of it. And I look forward to talking to y'all next time when we gather again. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Language of Love. I love all these questions from you and you remember that you can keep them coming. You just go to drlauraberman.com right there on the homepage. You can either leave a voicemail question or an email question. You can also go to speakpipe.com backslash language of love directly and leave a voicemail question as well. But it's sometimes easier just to click on the link. I will meet you back here. A brand new podcast is coming out next Wednesday. So look for that. Make sure to subscribe if you like it. And I'll see you next time on The Language of Love.